0: Well, assuming Gina McCarthy is confirmed, she'll head up the agency perhaps most responsible for delivering on President Obama's promises to address climate change and rein in carbon emissions. But the next EPA head could face a surprising and continuing obstacle inside the Obama administration itself at the Office of Management and Budget. Lisa Heinzerling, a former EPA official who is now a law professor at Georgetown University, has written about OMB's sometimes obstructive role in environmental rulemaking. She joins us now from Washington, D.C. Welcome to Living on Earth.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: First off, please explain to me what is the Office of Management and Budget and how does it impact the Environmental Protection Agency's ability to promulgate regulations?
1: The Office of Management and Budget is an office within the White House famous mostly, as the name implies, for managing budgetary issues. But it also has within it a little office called the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs. People who know this office know it by its acronym, OIRA. And for quite a few years now, that office, OIRA, has reviewed all of the major regulations that come out of administrative agencies and has had the authority to disapprove of rules that come out of administrative agencies. Most people don't know this, um, but it's a very powerful office.
0: I gather this process got going during the Reagan administration under the tutelage of David Stockman. To what extent has this been an attempt to consolidate control in the office of the president?
1: Well, I think to a large extent it has. I think one of the striking things that people have noticed about this dynamic is that most presidents, regardless of party, have seemed to clamp down tighter and tighter on the administrative agencies and to centralize power more and more within the White House itself.
0: So what's the criteria that uh, OMB uses when it judges uh, EPA rules?
1: Well, it's a little bit hard to tell. The first thing I would say is that, at least in this administration, many rules have gone to this office for review and have never come back. They are stuck there for years and years and um, there's no explanation about why that is. And so it's a little bit hard to evaluate the criteria by which they're being judged or even to describe those criteria when we don't know why the rules are stuck. The second point is that OMB tends to look at rules through the lens of cost-benefit analysis. That's what it's uh, governing executive orders, provide. And that's been its bent over the years. So to some extent, at least, um, we can speculate that some of the rules are stuck because they don't pass OMB's cost-benefit analysis.
0: Wait a second, Professor. As I understand the law for a number of EPA regulations, such as stuff under the Clean Air Act, cost-benefit analysis isn't allowed. Uh, Do I have that right?
1: You do have that right, and that's why the process is so puzzling and and even troubling. Some of the most important provisions of the Clean Air Act actually don't allow cost-benefit analysis. The Supreme Court held unanimously, in an opinion by Justice Scalia, no less, that EPA could not consider cost-benefit analysis in setting those standards. And yet, kind of strikingly, the one rule that President Obama has returned to an agency in this administration with a public explanation, was a rule set under that provision of the Clean Air Act. That was the standard for ozone.
0: Ozone pollution? You're talking about smog, right?
1: Yes. And so the troubling message that this sends is the possibility that cost-benefit is being used to evaluate rules even where it's legally forbidden.
0: What did the president say in his message of TransMetal saying that he was sending the ozone rule back to EPA? Did he mention cost-benefit?
1: That's so interesting. He actually said um, he cited regulatory burdens and regulatory uncertainty and the economic conditions in the country. sound an awful lot like the consideration of costs, to me at least.
0: Ordinarily, one would want to think that uh, one should look at the cost of a regulation, Explain why cost-benefit analysis uh, would be a problem in such a case.
1: Yeah, I think it's tricky to figure out exactly what the benefits of environmental regulation are. It's hard to quantify them. It's hard to figure out how many people might die or fall ill or go to the hospital or miss work or school um, if pollution um, stays at, at current levels. And then it becomes even trickier to figure out how much those things are worth in dollar terms. These are questions that have, you know, kind of dogged economists for many, many years, and I'm I'm not sure we have good answers answers to them yet. And the worry is that cost-benefit analysis will skew the process against environmental rules. It will almost never tell us to do a rule that we otherwise wouldn't want to do. But it will often come in and say, or um, suggest that uh, we shouldn't engage in rules that probably seem like pretty good ideas. Rules on water pollution, for example, tend to fare very poorly in cost-benefit analysis. Well, let me just say again, though, the, the, one of the predominant points I think worth noting about this process right now is that we just don't know why rules are getting stuck in the White House. It could be cost-benefit analysis, or it could be uh, something else entirely. We just don't know.
0: What specific issues do you think will this impact the remainder of President Obama's uh, term?
1: It will, uh, I believe, absolutely affect rules on climate change. It will affect rules on energy efficiency, even at the Department of Energy. It will affect large air pollution rules like air quality standards for pollutants. It will affect large rules on water pollution, rules on toxic chemicals. Insofar as the agency is issuing rules, and rules that the White House deems major, it affects everything the agency does.
0: There's much controversy over the CO2 rules. What you're saying makes me wonder if one should be concerned that the White House again will intervene in what the EPA is trying to do in putting forth rules uh, about the amount of uh, greenhouse gases that can come from power plants and other places.
1: Well, I think that given the way the administration has handled regulatory policy so far, There's no question but that any rules on greenhouse gases from the EPA will go to the White House for review. And uh, in that process, they may well be either substantially changed or could be rejected altogether.
0: And this will be in public view?
1: Not necessarily. I would hope that something so important would be more transparent than some of the other processes I've described, but I can't say that it will be given the track record. I think in an administration that has so committed to transparency and I think really intends transparency in many domains, I think it's striking that in the domain of regulatory policy, they've had such closely held secrets.
0: Lisa Heinzerling is the professor of law at Georgetown University. Thank you so much for taking the time with me today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.